Meanwhile, defense and security analyst Dr. Anna Poles, who's in Washington for a conference on the Pacific, told Lydia Lewis the second U.S.-Pacific meeting has been a significant one. I think it sends a really strong signal, actually, that a number of the areas that Pacific countries have been seeking the U.S. to prioritise and, uh, and issues that they want to be, to be listened to on uh, have been have been are clearly picked up in 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 this in this agreement. So there's some strong messaging in the agreement about the centrality of the Pacific Islands Forum. There's some you know, clear uh, clear language around uh, around climate change. Uh, there's the recognition of Cook Islands in Niue, which uh, enables both of those countries to now receive. Uh, funding uh, from the US, uh, which previously they were not able to do so because of the, the uh, not having diplomatic relations with the US as such, not being recognised as, as independent and, and, and sovereign. Why weren't they recognised before now? And is it as of today? I'm not exactly sure what date that means. They obviously have to establish diplomatic relations with with each of with the Cook Islands and, and Niue. So that 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 is a process that has been underway already. And previously no, they did not they did not have formal diplomatic um, relations with Cook Islands and Niue, in which they recognise both uh, sovereign independent countries. And the recognition of sovereign independent countries, is it merely just what we see at surface value that they can now receive diplomatic funding from the US? Or could this go a step further in supporting Niue and the Cook Islands moving towards independence away from New Zealand? This is very much about that material benefit that Cook Islands and Niue will will um, receive from the U.S. as a consequence of this. Uh, I I am sure that the U.S. would be v- stepping very carefully through any conversation around supporting either Cook Islands or Niue independence from from New Zealand. So that's certainly not part of the package as such. It is it is very much about ensuring that. Cook Islands and UAE are able to receive development assistance funding. And also there's obviously also a strategic benefit from the United States perspective to have diplomatic presence or at least diplomatic reach into into both of those countries. And finally, I wanted to ask you about climate finance. What were their climate commitments? Right. So this is what this is obviously an area that everyone was watching really, really closely uh, to see um how the U.S. was going to respond, particularly off the back of of Unger last week. There were some strong views around that, particularly around fossil fuels and especially on climate finance. Exactly. So at the beginning of the summit, um, President Biden uh, said, he stated that his administration had requested from Congress uh, to approve 200 million US uh, in new assistance for the region, including financing to help the islands prepare for climate and hazard uh, and natural hazards and improve infrastructure and response. So, so that's a request that has been made to Congress. And But obviously, you know, there is no guarantee that that will necessarily be be approved. Was there anything else that stood out to you that you'd like to add? Uh, so I think there's a number of areas where actually the US has 
advanced a number of sort of, pri- sort of priority areas, which I think are quite interesting. There's a clear step up, uh, in- increased engagement, for instance, in the security space. There's a new military partnership that is announced. There will be a U.S. Coast Guard vessel, which will be its main objective will be the training of personnel across the Pacific. There is initiatives to address issues for veterans, for example, um, particularly those veterans in the in the freely associated states. There is a, a clear recognition of the need to engage through the Pacific Islands Forum and through the dialogue partners mechanism specifically. And and then there's a there's a there's a, there's a collection of other kind of initiatives as well, but I, um, as well as you know increased um, increasing diplomatic footprint through the opening of a um, embassy in Vanuatu in twenty twenty four. But what I think is all really important to note is that a lot of the the commitments that have been made that were made last year, for instance, that they are st- they still haven't come to fruition yet, even though there is there is there is indication that they will, such as for instance the six hundred million ar- around the tuna treaty. Um, but there's a sense that there's still somewhere to go in terms of those those commitments actually uh, translating into tangible material outcomes in the region. Your overarching thoughts, the significance of the second meeting, or how you view this meeting overall. It is really significant that we've had a second summit between the US and the Pacific leaders in two years. It's noteworthy that the next one won't happen until 2025. Obviously, the US elections are in 2024. And obviously, the fact that Solomon Islands Prime Minister Manase Sogovare did not attend, declined to attend, has raised concerns in Washington about the motivations as to why he, he hasn't attended. And, and, and that certainly uh, suggests that uh, the US probably needs to rethink its strategy towards Solomon Islands and rethink how it can engage.